Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. In this podcast, we talk to experts in and around the analytics industry. One week, we may talk to a data scientist from a FANG tech company. Then the next week, we may talk to a data engineer or business analyst, or even I may pull one of my consulting clients so you get to hear from an executive on how they use data to drive business decisions day in and day out. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm the founder of Silvertone Analytics, which is a boutique consulting agency that focuses on analytics for medium to small size businesses. I'm also a professor at Greensboro College, where I teach analytics. Most recently, I have founded the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program, which melds these two job functions together. This is your opportunity to work directly with me and one of my clients. The Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program is a three-month program. In the first month, you're going to be completing the Analytics Foundation Certification backed by Greensboro College. Then in month two, you're going to be taking that knowledge base that you developed in month one and applying it out in the field where you're going to be working with one of my client's executive teams where you're going to be solving a business problem using data and analytics tools. Then in the third month, we're going to bring it all together with a full month of career services. Now, this is going to be quite a bit different than the typical career services at a university or a college. Here, I'm going to help you build a professional brand around where you are as an analyst. So in the first month, you have worked with a ton of different data sets. We're going to take the data sets that really resonate with you to help you hone in on your ideal entry-level job. We're going to build a Tableau public portfolio around that area of expertise. We're going to razor focus your resume and LinkedIn. And I'm also going to coach you on how to talk about yourself in an interview setting. So if you're ready to break into the analytics space, 
head over to learn.silvertonianalytics/apprenticeship and there you can learn more about the program and if you're interested you can apply with all that being said let's start the podcast episode hello and welcome to the how to get an analytics job podcast where we will help you discover where you fit into the analytics marketplace what skills you should build and how to land your analytics dream job I'm John David, analytics agency owner and educator. And I'm Elizabeth Illig, a private career coach and higher education professional. In this podcast, we will not only help you land your next analytics job, but we will give you the tools and strategies to level up your career. Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. I'm your co-host, John David, and I'm here with Elizabeth. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. We are going to be talking about the discovery theme this month, and so John David and I are going to kick it off with an interview between the two of us. Um, We're starting with discovery just to reiterate because a lot of times people dive into personal branding and their resume as a first place to start when they are thinking about a job search, but I would encourage you to be thinking about what are the skills, strengths, and experiences that you bring to the table so that you can talk about yourself in a competitive way, but also you need to know how you fit into the marketplace. So discovery is really two prongs. First is, who am I as a professional? How do I learn to talk about that? And then the second prong is, what are the options out there for me in terms of careers, in terms of actual jobs and the descriptions? So figuring out how you fit in the marketplace. And that's really why we encourage you to start with this discovery phase as opposed to your resume and personal branding. Cool. So the first thing that we wanted to talk about is this thing called the Clifton Strength Finders Assessment. And it's actually going to be the topic of one of the upcoming videos of this month where we talk with Gary Fly, who happens to be the CMO of a pretty large sales training company. And what really caught my attention was he told me how he landed that job was owning some of his strengths and weaknesses and then telling a compelling narrative. So, Elizabeth, this is directed to you. What are the advantages of the Clifton Strength Finders test? There are so many advantages to taking this assessment, and I think that it's a great place to start and an assessment that I often recommend to job seekers for exactly the reason that you mentioned that Gary found it useful. It really does give you the language to talk about yourself in a compelling way to an employer. So you're not just trying to come up with what your strengths are on the fly. You're able to say, look, I have these strengths, and you have the assessment that gives you the language to talk about those strengths. So it sort of gives you sort of the proof um, that oftentimes students or clients will feel a little bit nervous about bragging about themselves, or even they aren't even sure how to talk about themselves. And so this gives you that ability to have the language to talk about yourself. So it's incredibly useful on cover letters and resumes and in interviews. Particularly, I often use it with clients when they're trying to answer the what is your greatest strength or what are your three greatest strength um, interview questions. And so that's an often a place where I would use it. Also, once you know this information about yourself, what your strengths are, you can start to look at particular job descriptions and think about how you would use your strengths to accomplish those job duties. And essentially, that's what you're doing when you're applying to jobs. You're trying to convey to the employer that you have the experience and the strengths that they need to get this job done. So what I thought was really interesting was 
Gary was telling me they asked him that very, it's almost like a boilerplate template at this time of what's your biggest weakness and how do you address that? And he actually nailed that question. I've, I've never, I'm not as, you know, in the career coaching space as you are, Elizabeth, but I haven't heard such a compelling narrative from someone. I mean, stay tuned, you know, in the upcoming weeks and listen to the full interview. But in a nutshell, what he said was, um, I, yeah, I took this strength finders test and I'm, you know, very high in industriousness this is good. The one thing that like wasn't as positive was that I'm, I'm a little bit too trusting. So I realized that, and the way that I'm addressing that problem is that I actually do my due diligence and do research and not just take whoever's trying to sell me or the people I'm looking to hire. I really get out, and that way when I'm making a decision, whether this is good or bad, I'm not using my own intuition because it's much more, you know, I'm a little bit, you know, vulnerable to being taken advantage of. Yeah, I think that that's a great way to talk about a weakness. And you're going to hear way more about that when we get into interviewing in the future and how you can address the what is your greatest weakness question. But one of the best strategies is exactly what Gary did, identifying an area that you want to improve and then talking about how you have taken steps to improve upon it. So I do think that the Clifton Strengths Assessment can help you see where you have some really great strengths that you bring to the table, and certainly if there are areas that perhaps you want to continue to improve upon. But another big reason why I suggest it is that Gallup has done a ton of research, and what they have found is that people who operate in the strength zone are three times more likely to report having an excellent quality of life, and they're six times more likely to be engaged in their jobs. So beyond just the job search, this is a great tool for your life, for you to feel like you are engaged in the work that you're doing. So now let's move on to the difference between a business analyst and a data science role. These are two buzzwords that seem to be getting thrown around the industry all the time. Specifically, data science seems to be extra sexy right now. Everyone seems to be latching onto that. Um, From my perspective, there are two main differences between the role of a business analyst and the role of a data scientist. The first comes down to education. If you got an art degree, you can easily pivot into a business analyst role if you get the right skills. On the other hand, a typical data scientist has to have a master's degree. They're literally going to weed you out of the interviewing process just on your resume alone. Um, But on the other side, business analysts and data scientists are positioned slightly different in companies. Typically, business analysts sit within the sales or marketing department, where a data scientist is usually positioned more in the engineering space or on the production side. So you're focusing on two different things. So a data scientist is using... like advanced mathematics to really solve these complex problems, a data analyst is more focusing on reporting and getting the business initiatives accomplished through data analysis. 
Yeah, I think this is an important distinction to make because you all are going to see different job titles as you begin to search and look at the marketplace. You're going to see things like business analyst, and you're going to see things like data scientist. And the data scientist roles, as John David mentioned, are just much more technical. And so that means you're going to need a different skill set, different knowledge, and it might be harder in some ways to pivot there Um, although not undoable, but it might just be a little bit more difficult because you need more technical, robust knowledge there. I think that we're getting into the discovery phase where we're talking about what's actually out there in the marketplace. How do I fit in there? So sort of once we know that from the Clifton Strengths perspective, once we know what our strengths are and we're starting to think about what our experiences are, what skills we bring to the table, we now can start to look at the marketplace and say, am I a better fit for a business analyst type of role or a data scientist type of role? And that's really where this field splits um, in terms of those two types of positions. I wonder, though, if we can get even deeper into this, John David, and talk about some common job titles in the field. Okay. Um, the one that I don't know why this is coming to mind, but market research analyst. Mm-hmm. That's a really popular one right now. Yeah. Um, there's also the title business intelligence analyst or just uh, BI expert. So business intelligence is, would you say it's synonymous with business analysts? It's, it's... I think it's a little bit different, but we are seeing that. There's a lot of overlap there. There's a lot of overlap. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, what I'm seeing as well is, you know, marketing analysts, sales analysts, supply chain analysts. Um, all of these roles require deep, not well, not necessarily deep, especially if it's entry level, but knowledge of sales or marketing or supply chain, whatever's in that title, and then some basic analysis skills, at least starting out. So a lot of supply chain analysts that I talk to are mainly working in Excel. So a lot of them haven't even graduated into Power BI or Tableau. But on the flip side, data science roles, you need to know like coding and Python. And that's that's a completely different track. So I, I kind of like to think of the title analyst or BI specialist. You could feasibly position or pivot into that within three to six months to where if you wanted that data science role and you're not currently in that field, it's probably going to be two to four years depending on how long your master's degree program takes. Right. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely right. There's just a difference in terms of how much technical knowledge you need in these different roles. And so again, we can break those into more of the data scientist role, data scientist, data engineer versus some of the business analyst, business intelligence analyst types of roles. Other ones that come to mind are things like pricing and revenue optimization analyst, operations research analyst, big data analytics specialist. There are so many different titles out there, y'all, but essentially the biggest distinction you need to know is, is this going to require a ton of technical knowledge, meaning it is more a data scientist role, or is it more of a business analyst role that I can get by without as much technical knowledge? Yeah, and I actually wanted to hit on one more title, which um, I did a little bit of research this morning on you can get a very tool-specific job. For example, you can be a Tableau developer. There are some pluses to that in that actually according to Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and a few other sources, the average Tableau developer makes about $100,000 a year. That's not bad, y'all. But... The risk there is that, well, Salesforce just acquired Tableau for $15 billion. Mm. What happens if 
tableau just gets run into the ground and then all of a sudden you're kind of like a cobalt developer you know like your skill set just becomes irrelevant Mm -hmm. so you can learn specific skills and then get a job plugged directly into that function within the workplace right yes you absolutely could do that and i think you've mentioned the pros and cons of that approach certainly uh you could be so specialized that you never know what will happen there right but on the other hand you might be the person that is really good in that particular area and is a go-to person and expert. So certainly there are pros and cons to that idea, but I'm glad you brought that up. You can go that route of being really, really specialized. Well, it's interesting because um, I started my career as a Tableau specialist, but what I'm realizing from my like an agency owner perspective is that that is a pretty small circle. But now I'm rebranding myself as more of an analytics expert so that not only includes Tableau, but also Power BI and Excel and all these other different uh, analytics functions. Yes. So you have a little bit more opportunity available to you. I would that. say a whole lot more. A whole lot more. <laughs> yeah. Not just not just in the Tableau space. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, those are certainly things to consider. And be thinking about variety too. Are you the type of person that likes some variety in what you're doing? Or do you want to specialize and be really into one particular skill set? Yeah. So how many of these positions are in the U.S. market right now? There are so many. So I consulted ONET Online, which is a database of jobs that the U.S. government maintains. And if you just type in business intelligence analyst, there are 413,000 positions as of 2018. And it's expected to grow at a faster than average rate of 7 to 10% in the next 10 years. So that means there will be 35,700 job openings in the next 10 years. But that's really just, if you say, the category of business analytics, so business intelligence analysts. But if you combine some of the job titles that we were talking about, like market research analyst, business intelligence analyst, financial analyst, management analyst, operations research analyst, if you combine all of those We're talking about approximately 2.4 million employees right now in the U.S. who are working in these roles with a projected job opening rate of 232,000 in the next 10 years. So it is a massive market. Now, if you want to get into some of the the details of each one of those, of course, market research analyst is a very popular run right now, expected to grow at an 11% growth rate in the next 10 years, which is much faster than average and expected to have about 91,000 job openings in the next 10 years. Um, Management analyst is another popular one. 876,000 people in the U.S. are employed in that role. 11% growth in the next 10 years is expected and projected job openings of about 100,000. So this is a massive, massive field that we're talking about. And that makes sense as we think about the data that's being collected about each and every one of us on a daily basis. Yeah, well, I I think... um... You should consider the, the broader trajectory of the economy. So that's something that I looked into back in, what was it, 2016? I was selling insurance and then I lost my biggest client. So I decided to take some time out and do some research just on the economy in general. And then I found data analytics. There's just a huge growth in that sector. And that's because... Businesses who are not data-driven or data-informed are just going to have their lunch taken away from them. Mm -hmm. Like someone is just going to eat their lunch all day long because they just can't compete. 
like if, if you're just using your intuition to make your decisions, Amazon or one of these data-driven organizations is just going to outcompete you every single day. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. That is 100% correct. And even just think about the trajectory over the last 10 years of the things that are being collected about us as consumers. So your Apple Watch, your Apple phone, or your smartphone, your TV, if you have a smart TV, every purchase you make online, every purchase you make in a store, that's all for somebody, for a business to pick up and say, I can target a specific market or client, or I can use that to better serve my clients. And so absolutely, this is a huge field because of the technology that's available to us right now. So that is it for our discovery episode, um, which is our kickoff episode to the theme of discovery we're going to be exploring this month. And we are going to have some great people coming on in the coming weeks. So we have episode two is going to be with Sharon Vogler, who's the Senior Associate Director of Market Readiness and Employment at Wake Forest University School of Business. She works primarily with the Masters of Science and Business Analytics students there on campus. And she's going to talk with us about entry-level analytics jobs. We also have an episode three, Gary Fly coming on, who... John David mentioned is the CMO for a sales training organization. He's going to talk to us about Clifton Strengths. And then in episode four, we're going to be talking about emerging trends and analytics. So where is this field going in the future? So stay tuned. We're excited to have you join us. And we look forward to you tuning in to listen next week. I've had some time to reflect on my interview with John David and our kickoff of the discovery theme, which we're going to be exploring in the next month. Now, in our conversation, John David and I talked a little bit about the two prongs of discovery, those being self-discovery and marketplace discovery. So we talked about assessments, particularly the Clifton Strengths assessment, and how that ties into discovering more about your strengths, what you bring to the table as an applicant. Knowing that really does help you when you're applying to positions because you can start to think about how your strengths will play out in a particular position you're applying to. And you can talk to a hiring manager about how your strengths will be strengths that are helpful in accomplishing that job. The second prong of discovery is really marketplace discovery. And John David and I tackled that a little bit when we started to talk about specific 
titles that we see in the business analytics space. The difference between business analyst and data scientist, and then even how we're seeing this field grow. And we are seeing tremendous growth, which we mentioned in our interview. So I wanted to dive in a little bit further and just comment on some of the things that we didn't get to in that interview. First and foremost, assessments are ranging in terms of what they offer, and there are career assessments, which really do match your interests with particular careers. And then there are assessments like the Clifton Strengths Assessment, which is more about your innate talents than it is about matching you to a career. It really isn't a career assessment in the traditional sense of matching your interest and skills with a career. It's more about what innate talents you have and strengths that you bring to the table. If you are interested in an assessment that is more geared towards careers, then I would highly recommend Career Leader. This is an assessment that looks at business careers and thinks about how your interests and skills might fit into those. In this case, potentially business analytics might come up on that. If you're really looking more to think about language to talk about yourself, thinking about how can I describe what I do well, then the Clifton Strengths Assessment is the perfect assessment for that. The Clifton Strengths Assessment is great to give you language to talk about yourself, but I don't literally mean that you should use the description from your top five Clifton Strengths and talk about that when you're in an interview or in your resume or on your cover letter. Instead, put some of these strengths that you get on your assessment in your own language. So like for me, I have input, empathy, and developer in my top five. And what I often say about each one of these is not inclusive of the actual term that Gallup has given me. So for input, I say that I love to serve as a resource for clients. For developer, I say that I can see the potential in others. And then for empathy... I say that I'm great at understanding where other people are coming from and relating to them. And all three of those things make it easy for me to connect with folks as a career coach. Notice I didn't say any of the actual words, input, empathy, or developer, when I describe them. I put them in my own words and I use some of the things I learned from that assessment to talk about myself. And so that's what I mean when I say that the Clifton Strengths Assessment gives you great language to talk about yourself and the strengths that you have. Now, I know John David and I talked a little bit about weaknesses in our interview, but the Clifton Strengths Assessment really takes the opposite philosophy or approach. And Gallup, who developed this assessment, believes that we should focus on what people do well rather than fixating on what they don't do well. So rather than fixating on weaknesses, this doesn't necessarily mean you ignore your weaknesses, but what it does mean is you focus on what you do better, what makes you special, what makes you unique in terms of strengths, and you try to capitalize on those. You try to multiply those to the point where you are really excelling. So that's the difference there, and it's absolutely about what strengths you bring to the table. However, in our interviewing episodes in the future, you are going to hear from us about how to tackle your greatest weakness as a question that is a common interview question you might receive. 
that pretty much encompasses assessments, which are a great way for you to understand more about who you are. So a great way for you to do some self-discovery. The next thing that I wanted to make sure that we tackled is marketplace discovery. And I think there were a few things that we maybe didn't hit on or I could expand upon for you all. First and foremost, we made that distinction between a data scientist and a data analyst. And I think that's an important one for you to note. I think you need to think about whether or not you want to be somebody who has some client interaction, wants to explain business problems, wants to explain your rationale for tackling a problem in a certain way. That could be great for data analysis. If you're wanting to be more on the technical side, maybe even have some coding skills, data scientist is where you're going to be looking. And those types of the positions are the ones that you're going to be looking for. Now, I wanted to go into a little bit more depth. We did talk about some common job titles and expected growth in the next 10 years, but I wanted to provide a little bit more depth when it comes to breaking out those particular job titles one by one. So we we focused on a few. We talked about business intelligence analysts, and then we also talked about market research analysts. We have a couple of different ones, including financial analysts, management analysts, operations research analysts that I want to make sure that you're aware of. So financial analysts, we're seeing a four to six percent expected growth rate, which is about average. And so that's a projected opening of 30,900 jobs in the next 10 years. For management analysts, we're seeing an 11 percent growth rate, which is much higher than average. And that projected opening in the next 10 years for jobs is 99,900. And then we're seeing for operations research analysts, we're seeing an 11% growth rate, which is much higher than average, with a projected 10,900 openings in the next 10 years. I wanted to also tackle salary because I think that's a question that I often get as a career coach. And I just want to make sure that all of you are aware that salary here that I'm about to mention is coming from our source of ONET Online, which I mentioned in my interview with John David. And ONET Online is a database that the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics has put out so that we know a little bit more about trending fields, what's expected in the marketplace, and even job duties. So it's a great resource. But in terms of salary, this resource is going to show you the salary across the U.S. It's going to average that, the median salary across the U.S. So if you want more specific salary data, there are resources like salary.com that are great. And you can look into data that is specific to your region of the United States. So if we are going back to our business intelligence analyst position, we're seeing a median wage throughout the U.S. of $90,000 a year. If we're looking at market research analysts, we're seeing a median wage of $63,000 per year. Financial analyst, $85,600. And management analyst, $83,600 salary range in terms of what you're looking for in the United States. Again, I strongly encourage you to look for data that is specific to your region because these are just a median across the United States. A couple of other things I wanted to mention. There is another great resource in addition to ONET Online, and this resource is called the Occupational Outlook Handbook. 
It is also put out by the U.S. government and the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, so it will give you some great information about the job duties that are required in each of these roles. This is one way that you can do some research about the marketplace. Additional ways that you can research, you can absolutely go online and go to a job board like LinkedIn or Indeed and see what the job duties are that are required for these different types of roles. And you can also do informational interviews. And that's something that Sharon is going to highlight for us a little bit more in our next episode when we speak with Sharon Vogler, the Senior Associate Director of Market Readiness and Employment at Wake Forest University School of Business. So a lot of great stuff I wanted you to be aware of, how you can research the market, what different assessments are out there, the difference between career assessments and the Clifton Strengths Assessment, which is really focused on helping you understand your innate talents and strengths, and then what you can expect in terms of salary. I think all of those things are important for self-discovery and marketplace discovery. And that's why I wanted to highlight a few additional items in this episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody out there. We are excited to deliver some excellent content next week with Sharon Vogler. So stay tuned for that. And she's going to be chatting with us about entry-level jobs in business analytics. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.